Good morning, everybody. Today we're talking about oil versus climate change. And if you don't think this matters to you, you're most likely wrong, as you can see by the price of gas at the pump. Now, today we're going to talk about these issues in a different way than maybe you think of them. We're going to talk about some specifics about them. But I will be your host today of Trinity Vandenacre in Montana. And I believe that we all live by a specific philosophy. And it's all a Everybody has their own philosophy that they live by. This philosophy, this philosophy is created by where you grew up, what you learn as you grow up, who taught you, when and where, life experiences, etc. They shape you, they shape your philosophy into a specific mold that then dictates how you react and act to different things in your life, what your belief systems are, what you think of different things, and they can lead you astray if you don't understand what that philosophy is that you're living by. I believe that most people go through life basically following their feelings because they don't take time to understand what philosophy is actually guiding them, and everybody has one. Now, I'm not going to say that one's right and one's wrong. I just want you to think about it. Oil and climate change are both very political subjects right now, but that's not why I'm talking about them. I'm talking about them because of the war in Ukraine at the moment with Russia trying to invade Ukraine and take it over. And that's what's happening in our world right now, if you're listening to this in the future. And that really brings these things to a head, but I'm not going to discuss them in as political a way as other people might. I believe both sides of the aisle have something to learn here. And you can really get caught up in what your side is saying, how they feel about oil and climate change and saving the planet or not saving the planet or, <clears throat> you know, capitalism versus non-capitalism, things like that, uh, Democrat versus Republican. But that's not what I'm trying to get at. What I'm trying to discuss is actually the reality of what we deal with as people. Because you can get caught up in emotions and what you, what you think you believe and who you're following, and you can forget the reality of the situation. Case in point, right now gas prices are soaring, right? And this is because of the Russia-Ukraine war. How does this have any effect on our gas prices? Well, climate change plays a huge role in why these prices are very high. You might say, well, what do you mean? Well, because of this, for the last several years, because there is no conflict, people start to get comfortable with how things are. When you're comfortable, you can look, from the, fr you can look around you and really see what people are doing that you don't like, right? You can, you can start to get um, an idealism about what life should be like and it's not. And then you blame other people for it. That was very unclear. So let me be more specific. In the case of climate change, when things are very comfortable and easy, life is going along pretty smooth. Gas prices are fairly low. People are talking about electric cars. They're talking about wind generation. They're talking about solar and how safe those things save the planet, right? Um, not, not drilling because that's bad for the, the environment and 
oil is bad for the environment and things like that. It's very easy to kind of focus on those things without thinking about any long-term consequences because you're living in kind of a bubble. You're living in, in the United States anyway, or in, and maybe in Europe too. Um, you're living in a bubble that, that's surrounded by only you and everything's fairly easy. You might think your life is hard, but it's not really compared to what some other people are dealing with in the world, right? And let's take in case in point, Russia. Russia, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, has really grasped the fact that the West is obsessed with climate change and they capitalized on it. And the West being the United States and Europe and some other countries, okay? They see this climate change um, hysteria, in a way, maybe not, this belief, uh, this philosophy of climate change and the fact that everybody need, wants to go away and feel better about themselves about climate change, not, not affecting the climate themselves, right? And they, we, that's why we buy electric cars and why we want to, to invest in wind generation and solar generation so we can not harm the planet, right? Well, so Russia, uh, in particular Putin, who is a man who lives in the past and thinks in terms of the Cold War, he's an ex-KGB agent, which is basically like an, um, a Russian mafia that works for the government. They're ruthless. They do whatever they want. They try to control as much as they want. But he's living in the past, too. He doesn't, he's not grasping, obviously. Now we know. He's not really grasping the fact that you can't shut down information anymore, right? That the past is the past. The USSR can't do what it did, which is close in its country and then teach them all a false doctrine about whatever you want to teach them, and they can't get access to real information from the outside. It doesn't happen anymore. He's trying to shut it down. It's just not working. So this is who you're dealing with as far as oil goes. He sees the West looking towards trying to save the climate by not drilling for oil. He's like, well, great. Let's drill for oil here in Russia, start producing mass amounts of oil, sell it to the West, and promote climate change, whatever you want to call it, promote the, the fear of climate change in those countries. So he helps along, however he, this is where you get into the, like, conspiracy theory. So I'm not saying that Putin is all, like, you know, actively involved in this. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But there are ways to, to encourage it, right? You can, you can go about encouraging different groups. You can invest in different groups. You can, you can kind of promote, self-promote your own, your, your own fear of climate change in the West. I mean, you can buy an advertisement anywhere. So, to, to, so he does this in some way or other, right? And what it causes is that people are so fearful of climate change that basically they don't think about the fact that you're still drilling for oil in Russia, but you're creating probably more pollution over there because they don't have near the rules that we do as far as the EPA goes. Some, in, in certain ways, I'm sure that Russia is helping this fear of climate change along. And we're going to talk about what climate change is and what I mean by that, um, kind of the, the truth and the non-truth of climate change, because there's both. It's not, it's not one or the other. But in this case, we're talking about um, Putin is, he wants the fear of climate change to take place in the West, and he's capitalizing on that by producing more oil himself. His oil production went up a large percentage 
over the last few years because he understands that be, but when we don't drill for oil or we're not producing as much oil, Europe and America, the United States, then we're going to need to buy it. So he produces it in a much less environmentally friendly way than we would, and then he sells it to us. And for some reason, this is where I get into the philosophy of life and you're not thinking about what philosophy you're living by. People don't think about the fact that you're drilling over there. It's still on the same planet. It, it, it didn't change. You didn't go off planet. You're not, you're not lessening climate change by drilling in Russia versus drilling here. In fact, you're probably making it worse as far as pollution goes because you don't have the rules over there, right? So now oil is funding a large part of their economy and oil that they're selling to the EU and uh, the US. So when Ukraine decides, or when, I'm sorry, when Russia decides it wants to invade Ukraine and take it over, and I feel it's totally about one man's living in the past, Putin, and his obvious ruthlessness. He doesn't care if he kills women and children or or he doesn't care anything about that. <clears throat> he wants the glory days of the USSR. Usually this is for personal gain. When this happens in history, the, the person feels like they will be remembered as the person who brought the USSR back together. So it's usually a personal thing. And he's trying to um, take over Ukraine because of its, who knows what the reason, for personal gain or notoriety or whatever. But that brings the world crashing down on Russia's head. So now we're in a dilemma because now we feed them to buy oil from them, right? Um, and we buy it at 672,000 barrels a day. From Russia. That's a lot of money at $100 a barrel. Right now it's $120 a barrel. Well, let's just average it out at $100 a barrel. That's, that's a ton of money, okay? That's flowing into their country. Now, when we shut that off, now our drilling has to, or the drilling that we have in the U.S. has to compensate for that. And, I, and all the pricing in the U.S. really has to do with somebody's speculation. So it's not really that that the instant price of oil has influenced our pump price. It's, it's not that. It's that the investors, the people who are doing the investing in oil, right, who are buying oil and trading commodities, they look five or, five or six years in the future and they say oil is going to, at some point, we're going to run out of our stockpiles. We're going to run low. It could be a crunch. Therefore, this is going to be worth more money. So they raise that price by demanding it more in the future, right? So it's all speculation. That can change in a big hurry almost overnight because if the speculation changes, if people think, well, it's, we're going to have a lot of oil now, then they would be able to, they wouldn't buy oil as much. On, on the commodities, so you would lower the price. You would think the demand, you're going to have more supply than demand. That's basic economics. So that's driving the, the price of gasoline in our country up because they're speculating we're going to have more demand than supply now because we had to cut off Russia. The problem is, is we put ourselves in dependence of Russia in the first place. That's one problem. But 
the real problem is deeper, and that's one of our philosophy, because the reason that we put our dependence on Russia for oil is because we don't like the idea of oil, right? You don't, it, when you say oil, it almost seems like old fashioned, like we're not, we shouldn't be using oil. We're way beyond that. And I will say I am for solar. I'm for electric cars in a practical way. I'm not for wind at all. Wind is one of the ugliest forms of generation of electricity that I've ever seen. When you cover the hills with these hideously ugly windmills that are so inefficient that you have to actually subsidize, meaning you have to pay from the government more than the electricity is worth itself, and the electricity is still more money, still more expensive than anything else, that doesn't make any sense to me. That, that is pointless technology to me. Oil, on the other hand, is something we're stuck with for the time being. Even Elon, Elon Musk, who he's the founder of Tesla, he makes Tesla cars, which are all electric, and he's, he's all for you know environmentally friendly practices, why he made Tesla. Um, he wants to go to all electric cars you know, in the future to save the planet, blah, blah, blah. Even he says there's no way you can do that that fast. You, you have to be practical, in other words. You can't say, and this is where ideology comes into play. Ideology is when you think there's a perfect path and you feel that you can just switch over to it. And you don't think about, there's no consequences on this path, but we're on the wrong one. Ideology never works the way that you think it does. It, it, it isn't true. It isn't reality. When you think, well, we can just go on living like this, or we can go on, you know, we can have a socialist society in, in the way, when I say that, I mean like we're all equal. Nobody has any more money than anybody else. And everybody works the same. That's all a great idea. That's ideology but it doesn't actually work out in real life because there are evil people in the world. There is evil. There is, there is corruption. There is um, ambition that will always mess up a social uh, government, <clears throat> a socialistic government. It, it's not, it, it isn't because it isn't a good idea. It's because it's impossible because of human nature. Human nature won't allow that to work. And, and if you think it will, then what happens is, is you start to run down the road where you start to say, do things like this. Well, we need to be on solar, so we're going to buy our oil from Russia. That doesn't make any sense. You're going to, you're, you're, because you're, you're not living in reality then. So climate change is, to me, one of the main reasons why gas is going up in price, because we've created a situation because of fear of climate change that makes, that made us dependent on oil from, uh, and basically an insane person at this point, we understand that a completely self-motivated, um, person, Putin, who has now turned that against us and created a situation where we're now dependent on them for oil and and they can set, basically create the supply and demand. I you can say what you want about President Trump, but one thing he did do is create a situation where we have a tremendous amount of oil production in this country. That wasn't Biden that did that. 
It happened before. Every president inherits something from the president before them, and they take credit for it. Um, it doesn't matter wh- which side you're on. <laughs> when a president takes office the first year, he's not able to create an entire situation and change everything that happened in the last four years. He can't do it. You're inheriting some of their economy, some of their, some of their mistakes, some of their, uh, some of the good things they did, and and you're dealing with them, and you take credit for it every time. It doesn't matter whether you're Trump or or Biden or or Clinton or Reagan or it doesn't matter. You're every every president is doing that. So that's not not really my point. My point is is that, um, luckily we have a lot of drilling already in place. Oh, so I was talking about climate change and the reality of climate change. Let's discuss climate change and why it dictated this to happen, the fear of climate change. One thing you have to understand is almost everything that you do or talk about or that you think is is like an ideological stance has to do with money. I'm sorry, that's the reality of life. Somebody out there (laughs) is making money off of you living a certain way or making decisions in a certain way. So on both sides, you, you, it's the way the world works. If you understand it and live with it in a capitalistic society, you will, you will progress more, you'll be more successful if you understand and grasp this. When we're talking about climate change, a lot of it is political. A lot of it is political. That doesn't mean there's no truth to climate change. The problem is, is it's a word that means 900 different things. It's like the word evolution. When you say evolution, people apply that to everything from the fact that a car now gets better fuel mileage to the fact that a, a fish turned into a, supposedly turned into a lizard. You know, you apply it to everything. It's the same thing with climate change. The, the thing about climate change is, is there is truth to it. So when you, when you look at the truth of climate change, you can then apply it however you want, and, and you can kind of cherry pick the different characteristic, characteristics of climate change to fit your narrative. So let's talk about that a little bit. What is climate change? Well, climate change in its general definition would be that the earth, the whole climate of the earth is overall changing. But that doesn't tell us what direction it's changing, does it? It just ch- tells us that it's constantly changing. But that in and of itself doesn't tell us that w- what, we're, what we're dealing with politically here. When they say climate change in, in an activist kind of stance, what they're talking about is general warming of the planet due to man's direct influence from carbon fuels and practices. So we're creating more carbon carbon in the atmosphere, which is then warming up, speeding up the warming process. I'll say that because you can't say that we're creating warming. <laughs> I mean, you can, but you're not right because I was, I went to Glacier National Park, which is in the north, the top of Montana. And we're on this boat ride going through this, this canyon that was formed by a glacier, right? And there's glaciers on the sides of the mountains still. 
And this lady is pointing these out, saying these glaciers, you know, have, have uh, you know, they're melting due to climate change and man needs to do a lot more about that. And then in, like two sentences later, she says, and just think about this, this whole valley all the way to the top used to be full of ice and snow. And I'm thinking, okay, so if we're talking about climate change as generally warming up the planet, what caused the climate change from the top of the canyon down to the very bottom of the canyon? So to say that the first initial 90% of melting of the glaciers in Glacier National Park, maybe more, 90, 95% of the melting occurred before the combustion engine came on board, then how do you say that man has sped it up, has created climate change? Because they haven't. You just look at the plains down in Arizona and Nevada. There, there's huge lake beds and river beds that used to have water in them. Well, well, we didn't ever see that in our lifetimes or the Indians' lifetimes. The Native Americans that lived here didn't, they didn't have water there uh, in the, gen, the two generations or three generations before we, the Europeans got here. So from the time of the 1400s, that was desert, right? So what, what created that climate change? That definitely wasn't us unless we're responsible for every type of climate change. That's another, we can get into details about that. But I want you to think practically about climate change. When you say climate change, people just, oh, no, oh, no, you know, we're going to be gone in 30 years because all humans are creating climate change and it's going to warm up the whole thing. And, you know, what is actually going to happen? It's been warming up for thousands of years. Right. So so our our changing the climate, warming the climate is not necessarily the cause of its warming in the, the last couple thousand years. It can't be. So climate change is a tricky subject because of that. To me, when you look around us, climate change has been happening for a long time. So the conversation needs to be more specific. It needs to be, and a lot of people say global warming, because what they mean is actually that they're afraid the, of the warming of the earth. So when, when you look at this, you have to actually be very specific. You have to say, the climate change that they're talking about is man has accelerated the, the warming of our planet due to the way he uses carbon-based fuels. So oil, the way we burn oil and things like that directly influences the speed at which our climate is warming worldwide. If you say it in that way, then we can maybe have a discussion. If you just say, well, climate change, well, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you can throw in anything into that bucket. <clears throat> now, are we, that, that's a discussion, are we, by burning oil and combustion engines and things like that, actually speeding up the warming of Some people get really caught up in charts and uh, graphs and things like this about and computer-generated models about how fast we're accelerating. The problem with that is, with any computer-generated model, there is somebody putting the data into that model. It is not a naturally occurring computer-generated model, ever. 
It's always has a, you have to set parameters or a computer cannot figure out what's happening. There's no way for it to compute anything into the future, which I, I don't understand anyway. They can't get the weather right for one week, much less, you know, a hundred years. But to, to think that, uh, that these, these models that we have are absolutely accurate, it, you, you can't. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I don't care if it's for, if you're looking at a model for creationism or, or evolution or climate change or oil consumption or wind, it doesn't matter what it is that you're looking at. It's not correct. You can't, you can't allow a computer to just generate a model. You, a human has to dictate the parameters of the test. And when you dictate the parameters of the test, you are influencing that data. Now, when you look at the amount of carbon that we're producing, okay, that is something we can actually measure. We can actually measure those things. So I'm not saying that we don't have data that says anything. It's how you interpret the data that actually makes a difference. There are very large forces of nature that actually dictate this, the, the amount of carbon in the air uh, to a large extent. One of them is forest fires, which is not considered usually as part of what's going on in the carbon production of our, of our atmosphere. Um, forest fires can, they are emitting or turning into carbon in the air a huge amount of matter every year, especially when you have forest fires in the West here. Everybody wants to save all the timber and not log it. That's another practical thing that is really hurts us because you don't log it. What you end up with is all of it going up in smoke. Nobody can breathe. The air quality is horrible all summer long when you should be able to, when you're trying to enjoy the outdoors. And then you're emitting such vast amounts of carbon into the atmosphere. And that's, you know, that's not a combustion engine doing that. So the, the, other, the other thing that is raising the temperature of the earth is water vapor. And not, uh, most of that comes from the ocean, evaporation from the ocean. So when you, when you look at these things, you can't just say that definitely for, you know, we are the cause and oil is the cause of, of climate change. Now, do I think that we as humans should be responsible in, in how we use fossil fuels? Absolutely. Fossil fuels, if we're, we're in the United States alone, we use 19 million barrels of oil a day. Now, do I think that's sustainable long-term? No. <laughs> that's not sustainable long-term. I don't know how long that's sustainable, but how how do you 19 million barrels of oil you're pumping out of the ground and burning every single day that's an astronomical amount of oil now there might be plenty of oil for probably 100 years but you're going to have to work towards getting yourself off of fossil fuels but here's where that goes too far is when you say okay well we need to stop it right now 
So you jump onto the bandwagon of we can't burn any oil, we can't pump any oil, we can't drill for oil. And what that happened, what, when it, we still need oil. You still want oil. You want to live the life that you're living right now. You do not want to change to a society where our fuel consumption is so far down that we, we can't transfer food from one end of the country to the other because we don't have enough fuel to do it. That, that's not a brilliant statement. That's just not the way it works, okay? So ideology says you need to shut off the, the flow of oil. But that doesn't actually work in real life. That's not, that's not the way that the world works. So that's where what I'm talking about. Your philosophy in life is dictating how you operate. But you don't really understand, and none of us do understand all of it. This is just my opinions. But we don't really understand what that influence is having on the future that we're dealing with. So when you, when you, when we talk about climate change versus oil, I believe we need to work ourselves off of oil, but we can't jump from oil to electric cars. It's not going to happen. There's such a vast, huge amount of vehicles that we drive that are gas engine. Electric cars aren't the answer. Their, their range isn't isn't enough for, for everybody. It is for a lot of people, probably most of the society. But as soon as you jump over there, you have another problem, which is the lack of electricity generation. You can't, we don't generate enough electricity for what we use in the U.S. right now. So how in the world are you supposed to transfer all of the usage of oil, 19 million barrels a day, over to electricity when you're already over capacity? You have to generate more electricity. That's, that's really the option you have. Unless you want to cover, so let's think practically, that much change doesn't happen overnight. You're, you, you can't cover the United States with solar panels. I mean, they're not efficient enough to, to do what we need them to do yet. But I think you can work on that technology. Absolutely. The only thing that we have right now that could generate enough electricity to work us out of oil is um, nuclear energy. Everybody goes, oh, no, you know, Chernobyl. Well, yes, there is always a risk of something like that happening. But Chernobyl, we're talking, that was so long ago. The technology of nuclear energy in Chernobyl and Japan was is built in the 80s or maybe the 70s. I mean, it, it's old. <clears throat> way, way in the past from what we could actually build today. So when you think about nuclear energy, it's the only thing that we have right now that could actually produce enough electricity at a low enough cost to help us go from where we are now to using electric vehicles and things like that. Not everybody can switch over that way. And oil is not only used for cars. That's another misconception when you don't even think about it. The camera I'm shooting on right now is made mostly of plastic. This is made of plastic. There's a lot of plastic in this computer. All of those things are made with oil. Your toothbrush is made with oil. Your, there's a ton of things that we use every single day that are made with 
by using oil in, in the production of it, or it's actually made out of oil. So you're not going to um, stop the fossil fuel usage overnight. That, that's ideology, not reality. Okay. And so we need to change this mindset or people like Putin will still be able to have control over us because we're following along with fear. Brings me to another point. One of the, one of the things about climate change and oil, <clears throat> obviously, is money because money is what dictates what we do and how we do it. So Russia needs money to operate in what they're doing in their war against Ukraine. The, the money supply is so vast in 19 million barrels of oil a day that shifting that kind of money over to something that we can use that's better for the planet it is a, a vast task. It's not going to happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a year. It doesn't happen in 10 years. So if you're very concerned about the planet warming up beyond reason in the next 30 years, yeah, then you'd have a problem. I don't, I don't really have that issue. I'm not worried about the planet right now. Yes, if it as it warms up, there will be issues. The seas will rise, oceans, you know, caps will start to melt, things like that. But I don't see that as like, oh my goodness, we're all going to die in a hundred years. <clears throat> One thing to think about is there's scientists understand that volcanoes that erupt also putting huge, vast amounts of carbon into the atmosphere actually create layers of ash in the atmosphere that block sunlight coming to the earth and they can cause cooling of specific areas. So when I think of times like the Yellowstone uh, volcano, which is absolutely astronomically vast. Now, I what I believe is that in, I believe in the Bible, and I believe that as the earth, the continents were ripped apart, that's when that that volcano and many, many others around the world erupted. And that would fill the atmosphere of the, almost the entire world with ash, which blocked the sunlight, which cooled the planet down drastically and caused a massive ice age. This is, on a smaller scale, this is not up for debate. People, scientists understand this. They've seen it happen. So, um... You think on a global scale, if that happened, that's going to be uh, pretty major. Also, you have, and I'm, I'm just going into like things that influence the climate that you may not think about all the time, but, but definitely have an influence. Another one is um, the Earth's magnetic field. Why does Mars not have vegetation on it? Why doesn't it have an atmosphere, a very thick atmosphere? Why is it almost impossible to, to uh, terraform or create an atmosphere and the things that life needs on Mars? It's because of the magnetic field not being there. There is not a mag magnetic field on Mars. The magnetic field actually causes the sun's radiation, solar flares, basically, coming from the sun, it deflects it around the earth. Otherwise, it would just rip our atmosphere completely away, com entirely away, strip it. 
That's why Mars, you could terraform it for a very short period of time, but unless you create some sort of a magnetic field around or in front of it, between it and the sun, it won't last very long because the sun's radiation will just strip it right back off. Well, the same is happening to the earth all the time, but we have a magnetic field. How much of the warming of our planet has to do with the radiation of the sun at certain times as the weakness or or uh, strength of the earth's magnetic field change or fluctuate well that can cause massive changes in the world that, that are far greater and faster than anything that we do as an oil burning society the reason I, I share these things with you is not to not to completely say, you know, this is what caused it. This, I don't know what causes global warming. I think it's a combination of all of them, right? It's a slow process from that last ice age to now, where they're slowly warming back up from that ice age. The discussion of whether we're, we're making it faster by burning all these fossil fuels is really what I'm discussing today. So at going forward, what are we going to do going forward as a society? To keep us safe. Number one, please, please, please. If you're going to fear something, don't allow fear to control you about whether the climate is going to destroy us tomorrow. There is no evidence in your lifetime that we are doing anything or have enough impact that we could actually do enough to the planet to destroy this planet in a hundred years. You can, that's all computer generated models that somebody has put together with data, probably real data in most cases, but you're extrapolating it out however you want to put it. And it just makes you, you live in fear. What point is there in living a fear of that? If that's going to happen, it's going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. You're, you're, it's too vast. The world is too vast. The, the earth is too vast. You're not going to change that. Being a good steward of our planet is completely different than living in fear and making dumb decisions based on that fear. That's understanding what philosophy are you living by? Are you living by a non-reality, non fear-based philosophy that's dictating how you live? Here's what I'll say about that. How you live is up to you in this way. You can, you can buy an electric car. You can, you can do the things that you want to do to, to um, you know, make a difference for the planet. But you need to understand that you being fearful of the planet being destroyed by, by oil production just makes you angry at those who aren't doing the same things that you're doing. Well, who is that hurting? I would argue that's hurting you. Not them. They're just going to live their life. You are dealing with anger and frustration and worry because, oh my goodness, they're all doing these bad things and they're, they're creating pollution in the planet and they're cutting down trees and, and they're not driving electric cars. And the, the problem with that is, is what it creates turmoil and unrest in you. Why would you want to live like that? that that's my, my thought. You have to, every individual needs to take responsibility for what they're doing. As a whole, I feel that there is a responsibility for the planet. 
but that doesn't make it so you need to live in turmoil and have unrest in yourself about the future. If you want to uh, discuss this stuff with me um, in detail, make sure you leave a comment down below. I'd be happy to discuss this for you. But as we close, I do run a Bible study and I talk about these things that on, on my Facebook page, uh, 6K LLC. You can go there. You can find it probably by searching Trinity Vandenegger. And the reason I bring these up is because people, they live in torment. They, 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 the, the, the thought of injustice or the thought of something happening that's out of the control causes them to live in a state of misery that they don't have to live in. You don't have to live in constant fear of the future. If you grasp what's actually going on and you understand your philosophy or change your philosophy in life, that you will live the way that you're going to live. And you cannot, that's the only person you can really change. You can't change Joe down the street. You can't change everybody's mind. If you try, you won't make, it won't change them. It will make you miserable. Think about it. If you're laying awake at night, worrying, about the, the, the planet or how much oil we produce or gas prices. And, and you're thinking in a specific way, like this person is causing that, right? These people, this group of people, the, the people over here, the, what that, it's not hurting those people that you're thinking about. It's hurting you. You're the one laying there at night worrying. It's taking years off of your life to do that. I want you to stop and think about what are, what are you doing that you can change in your mindset that will help you have a more peaceful, calm, and restful life, a more fulfilling life. It's not going to be worrying about that. So if you can't handle watching the news and what's going on, then don't watch the news. It's not like watching the news gives you a leg up on what you're going to do today. It's not like it feeds you some positivity, right? So let's go out today. As you go out today, try to think of what's positive in your life, how blessed we are. We're not in Ukraine right now. And if I'm talking to somebody in Ukraine, I feel so far, sorry for you. And the people in Russia as well. The people of Russia didn't choose this. They have no option. They're, they're just drug into it. They're drug into it, and now they have to suffer for what their leader is choosing to do. But the rest of us are still living in amazingly blessed world. Right now, things are better than they've ever been before. So think about if you want to make a change in the world, start with you. Start with you by being at peace with who God made you, right? Not, not with how horrible everybody else is or how these people just don't understand. No, no, no. You. What are you understanding? What are you worrying about that you can't do anything about today anyway, or that you can do something about in your own life, but you can't make Joe do or Bill do and, and work on those things. But you, if you're not at peace about it, then it's not helping you at all. Anyway, that's my discussion for today. I know I've rambled on all over the board. Let me know what you think of this. If you've actually listened this far, 
Uh, I'm going to be discussing a lot of my ideas for the future in finance, cryptocurrency, in, it has, in having to do with ranching um, and all kinds of different things that affect you in your life and how I see them progressing, what I'm doing personally to try to um, build businesses around those things. And uh, if you're interested in that, make sure you leave a comment, try to follow me on social media, uh, let me know what it is that you are interested. What is what are the main concerns in your life? What is the philosophy of your life that is actually dictating how you feel? Tell me those things. What are those things that are that are hammering at you all night long? Uh, anyway, that's it for me. Uh, God bless you and God bless America. I'm Trinity Vandenacre. Until next time, God bless. <laughs>